You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church, Salt Lake City. For more information on our church, go to c3saltlakecity.com. Come on, let's give God one more big hand clap of praise for that word. So good. Man, I, what, what a privilege to get a chance to kind of uh, tag team with Pastor Phil this morning and, uh, and bring in the word, and it's always an honor to be here. It's good to be back. Good to see you guys. You're looking good, by the way. You're looking real good. It's exciting to see what God's doing here in Salt Lake. Just the atmosphere, the presence of God. Just uh, You can feel the team. I'm so excited about Connect Sunday, by the way, y'all. Get connected. Don't 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 be isolated. Don't you know? Uh, anytime we try to live for Christ as a Christian without oops sorry without being in the community, I was going to LL Cool J with one pant leg up. Uh, without being in, without being in a community, whenever we try to live that way, just imagine the old like National Geographic films where the lion is going after like the the gazelles or something like that, and they always go after the one random one that's separated from the pack, right? They they don't go trying to just attack an entire pack. They go after the straggler, the one who's disconnected, and that's how the enemy works on our lives. He's like a roaring lion, the Bible says, like a roaring lion seeking who. Whom he may devour. So you stay in the pack, and uh, he's not going to be able to come in and take you out. Amen? Amen. Um, I, I want to just tag right off of what Pastor Phil is saying here, and I'm going to get into 2 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 13. But I just want to quickly just say I love your pastors here at campus, Pastor, Pastor Vince and Becca. Are they the best? Come on. I always love hanging out with them. They're fun. They're fun people. I enjoy them. Even though they're from Wisconsin, they're great. Or, or they cheer for the Packers. But I was just there in Wisconsin. Actually, shout out to Midwest, riding some horses. And uh, I don't know if we ate any cheese, but uh, it, was, it was a good visit uh, to Wisconsin. And, uh, but it's, just, it's fun to see what God's doing here. And that's a testament to your leaders, just loving and leading and having a heart and a vision for this, this city. Amen. Amen. Let me read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, and I'm telling you what, I am excited about this message. This message could be a full-length message, but I do not have the full length. I'm going to try to shorten this up, okay? But this is the first time. This is the first time I'm preaching this, so this is hot off the press, fresh, fresh for the Salt Lake family. Come on, somebody. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, it says this, it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. And today I want to talk about how faith speaks. Faith speaks. And I just felt like it was a, a, a natural overflow uh, of what Pastor Phil was, was teaching on, is this release of the prophetic word, this release of proclamation, this release of the word of faith. And I'm telling you what, as we walk in faith, live by faith, be people of faith, faith is vocal. Faith is something that's active. Faith speaks into our situation. And I love it. Faith is, is speaking as a response to believing. So he says, I believe, I've got the spirit of faith, therefore I respond, and I begin to speak. I begin to proclaim. I begin to declare the word of God. I begin to release this word of faith in, in our lives. I wonder, in our own lives, even this morning, what are some things that need a, a release of a word of faith from you guys? 
What, what, what about your family? What about your finances? What about your health? What about this city? What about this community? I mean, Pastor uh, Vince, it, just a little bit ago, began to prophesy over this valley, began to declare a word of faith over this situation. What needs, what needs you to believe and therefore speak about, right? A lot of times we're speaking in response to our fears, in response to our frustrations, and in response to failures, in response to disappointments. But we need some faith, and we need to begin to respond and speak and release a word of faith, this prophetic word, in our lives. And when we do that, things begin to shift. Things begin to change. I want to talk uh, about four areas or four ways that faith begins to speak. And in my notes, I have Faith Speaks as the title with an exclamation point. I didn't give that to them when they're making the screen, which is an epic uh, screen here. But I have it with an exclamation point because, because when I see this concept of faith speaking, it's not a passive, reluctant type of posturing. It is an active, it's a lean-in, it's with a voice of strength and authority that comes out of the inside of us. And when you and me are going to speak and release a word of faith, it's going to be with some strength, with some boldness on the inside. So here's the first way that I feel like that I see faith speaking, or how do we speak in faith, is that faith speaks first with expectation. It speaks with expectation. Hebrews chapter 11, actually the whole chapter is exceptional around the topic of faith, and I highly encourage you to read it. It'll stir you up. It'll, it'll fire you up about living for God and trusting God. But Hebrews eleven six makes a pretty powerful claim about faith, and he says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. How I many know that's a big statement? He says, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And I love this verse. It's packed with so much. Um, for, first of all, I'd just like to make a note. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I, I just want to pause on that for a second to go, you know what? I want my life to please God. Anyone here want to please God with your life? Right? You, you want what you say, what you do, how you live, the, the career, the family you build. I want, I want my life to please God. Now, I'm not trying to earn God's love. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. Because through Jesus, now we've received grace. We've received forgiveness of our sins. We've been in right relationship with the Father. Nothing I do or don't do is going to change the love of God towards me. But out of an overflow of the love of God towards me and the grace that's been given to me, my response is, man, how could I please God with my life? And as followers of Jesus, that's such a great, it's kind of the old cliche bracelet, WWJD. What would Jesus do? It's a similar concept. What would please Jesus? How, how do I live a life? I don't know what the acronym of that is. too fast for me to figure out real quick. But, but, but what would please God? I want to live a life that way. And obviously we, we see faith is a key part of that. Um, and, and here's, he kind of goes on to explain why it pleases God. First, it says that we must believe that he exists. And obviously, this seems obvious, but when I go to God and, and, and I begin to pray and I begin to lean in in faith to trust God, I'm making a declaration with my life that I am serving and following him. 
And when I position my life in that place where I'm submitted to God and I'm submitted to his leadership in my life, everything begins to change and everything begins to shift. It's like when the Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God, right? A lot of times we try to live life outside of putting our trust in him and we don't live as if he exists in our life. And, but when I, when I begin to come to God, seeking him, praying to him, talking to him, it's like I, I begin to position my life in a way where God is the authority, God is the leader of my life. I believe that he exists. I live a, a, in a way that actually acknowledges the presence of God in my life. And when, when I live that way, things begin to change, and, and faith actually rises in my heart when, when I acknowledge who he is in my life. When I acknowledge that he's the creator, when I acknowledge, like Pastor Phil was saying, like, man, with the word of God, our existence came into being. The entire universe was formed at a word from God. And when I remember who he is and how great this God is that I serve, that I follow, faith begins to, to rise up in me. But the second part of this, which I'll focus in on uh, with this expectation, is that if I'm going to have faith in God, and I'm going to please God with that kind of faith. I actually have to believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He, he is a rewarder. You know, I, I think, my, myself included, this I think oftentimes can be one of the things that us as humans can struggle with when it comes to engaging with God. Because we've had some, some theology or some teaching or even just sometimes our human disposition that assumes, man, I'm, I'm so nothing compared to this great God. How could I possibly assume to come to him expecting anything? Or even when I recognize, oh, man, I've been given so much grace. Uh, I've been forgiven from so much. I mean, to even ask for anything else would just be selfish. It would be rude almost. It would be, well, why would I even consider to expect more from God than he's already given me? And, and that's just, I want to just remind you to eradicate some of that thinking out of your life. Because faith that comes to God actually expects a response from heaven. When I go to God, I should not go to God going, assuming like, well, I don't really expect God to do anything for me, but I just love Jesus. Well, that, that's not faith. That's not faith that God responds to. God actually wants you and me to come to him expecting a response. He wants you and me to come to him boldly, that when I pray and when I declare and when I'm prophesying and when I'm seeking heaven, that I actually believe that God is going to do something in my situation. And this is something I had to navigate. This, this goes for every area, but even in the tithes and offerings, that can be one of those common areas where we, we feel this weird sense to go, well, we're given, but we don't expect any response. We don't expect anything in return. I don't want anything in return from God. And it sounds pious and it sounds humble. And, and I'm sure I've said it from time to time in my own life too. But actually, that's not how God wants you to come to him. God actually says when you give, it's going to come back into your life. And that's an area of finances, but that's in every area of our life. That when I engage the creator of heaven and earth, he's a God who's rewarding. He's a God who's responding to our faith. And faith that, that, that speaks is, is faith that speaks first with expectation. 
So in your life right now, are you expecting God to actually show up? Are you expecting a response from heaven actually when you're praying and when you're talking and when you're coming to God? Or is this just a ritual kind of religious activity that I'm engaged in? Or do I actually remind myself, no, no, I'm, I'm talking to the creator here. I'm engaging with heaven right now. I, I'm, I'm, I'm on his behalf right now. And I'm going to believe and expect that God is going to meet me in this moment. And, and I like to think of it like this, that when he's saying, man, you need to believe and understand that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And, and thinking of it like this, that your faith in God is actually producing something in your situation. Faith is actually creating. Faith is not just like, in our era we live in right now, it's all about good vibes, right? I just, yeah, good vibes only. You know what I'm saying? Like, just good vibes. Faith is not good vibes, Right? Faith is not just a good emotional high, a nice little feeling. Faith, the Bible says, is the substance. Faith is the conduit. Like Pastor Finn said, faith is the currency of heaven. It is the conduit. It is creating, actively developing something from nothing in your situation. Oftentimes, Jesus would say, it's, it's according to your faith that you're healed. It's by faith. It's, you read all of Hebrews chapter 11, it's through faith, it's in faith, it's by faith. You know, everything that they stepped into and activated was this through faith. And, and in, in our own lives, we just got to remember that when you're believing, you're trusting God. Maybe you don't always see the reality in the moment, but faith is producing something in your life. That, that situation you're believing to turn around, that, that lost, you know, kind of wayward son or daughter, uh, that, you know, brokenness in some area of our life maybe that we're facing, that we're, we're coming up against, I have to hold firmly in my faith that I keep an expectation that God is working on my behalf, that God is responding, that God is actively moving in my situation, right? That's the kind of faith that pleases God, is that I'm not just praying, chucking up a couple of Hail, Hail Marys. I'm actually praying in expectation that heaven is responding in my life. Amen? Amen. So faith speaks with expectation. Second is that faith speaks from authority. Speaks from authority. Again, Pastor Phil was leaning into some of these similar themes. But in John chapter 14, 12 through 14, Jesus is talking, Very very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things, hello, than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. In the name of Jesus. And there's power in the name of Jesus. There's authority in the name of Jesus. And so when I speak in faith, faith speaks with authority. Faith speaks from a place of authority. When I'm praying and when I'm prophesying, when you prophesy, when you're praying over your family, when you're praying over health, when you're praying over your business, when you're praying over your situation, you need to understand that you're not just, this isn't just like uh, I, like a, a, a very nervous asking, you know, that God would maybe do something if he's not too busy. Or if you've ever been, Sometimes I think we approach God as a bit of a, a mean boss that we're asking for a raise from. <laughs> and we're so nervous to ask for the pay raise 
Because we're just like, like he's going to be the Pharaoh in Egypt and he's going to double our work for less pay. You know what I'm saying? Like we're nervous. Approach God. And, and actually God has given you and me authority. Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he gives it to us. He empowers us with his name. And so that, this concept, as many of us have maybe heard or thought or maybe even seen it teach, you know, if you've seen some movie where in some old days where the king had a ring that was the signature kind of seal of the king. And so any letter that was delivered with the, the unique imprints into the, into the wax on this, this note with the king's seal, then it was like, well, this is taken as if the king is right here talking to me, and I must fully obey the command that's in this, this letter. And so when you and me have been given the name of Jesus, and that's why Jesus said, listen, use the name. Use the name. Uh, I've been given the authority. Don't, don't go around trying to make it all happen in your own strength. Use the name. <laughs> Use the name. You know, one time I was, I was working with somebody who had, had, had gained a, a level of influence in a, in a certain sphere, and I was trying to get something done, and they said to me, well, did you tell them that you know me? And I said, no, nah, I didn't do that. You know, I didn't want to, like, try to name drop or try to, he goes, I, I use my name, like, for the love of God. Like, I, I, I sort of worked hard to, like, create this influence. Use my name. Why would you not use my name? It will give you instant access into the situation. And, you know, with Jesus, he gave everything on the cross. He gave his absolute life for you and me. And because of that, the Bible says God seats him at the right hand. He's given the name that is above every single name, right? And so for you and me to go around life without using the name is such a sad use of our, of our faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Use the name. Use the name. I don't, use a, I don't do the turn to your neighbor, you know, touch your neighbor and say, but if I was going to do that, this would be the time I'd say, turn to your neighbor, or touch your neighbor and say, use the name. Come on. Use the name. It's the first time I really felt like that was appropriate use for me after 20 years of preaching. Okay, so we preach from authority. Uh, When my kids come to me, yes, I want them to use manners. Yes, I, I want them to ask. Yes, I want them to be polite. But I don't want them to, like, crawl on their knees begging me for something. You know what I mean? Like, Dad, I, I know I don't deserve to have breakfast this morning, but if I could just have one, one bowl of cereal. And I go, only half a bowl. You know what I mean? And kiss the ring, you know. We, I wouldn't do that as a parent. Yet somehow we think that's how God wants us to interact with him. We can come boldly, the Bible says. We pray with authority. Man, when you're praying, you need to understand you have all of heaven behind the name of Jesus. And that's why Pastor Phil was saying, and that's why I want to encourage you, man, grab Pastor Jurgen's book called Push. That will transform your prayer life because it shifts you from going, God, would you please maybe if you have time to going, in the name of Jesus, I declare this, and I command this, and I prophesy this. It shifts completely how we begin to pray. So faith speaks from authority. Speaks from authority. Here's the third one. Faith speaks in advance. In advance. I love, um, I love the story of Caleb and Joshua in Numbers chapter 13. 
And there's the, the backstory. This is kind of, they just come out of Egypt. They've been ma- uh, miraculously delivered. I was almost going to say magically, but it's miraculous. <laughs> They've been miraculously delivered out of Egypt, and they're heading, heading on their way to the promised land. And this is before the whole wandering in the desert for 40 years. It was only supposed to take like a couple weeks max, you know, to get there. And as they're getting there, God tells Moses to send some spies into the land to check it out. So 12, kind of a leader from each tribe, goes into the land to check out what's going on, to get a read on, on the situation. And they come back, and we only know two of the 12 spies' names by heart because they had a different spirit, the Bible says. They, there was a spirit of faith on the inside of them. And, and the 10, uh, let, let, me, let me read a few verses. I don't know if I gave this to the production specifically or not, but I'll actually start in verse 26 of Numbers chapter 13. It says, They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. They were, there they reported to them, and to the whole assembly, and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went in the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit, right? But, and this is where the report goes bad, you know. If you're a student, you've ever been like a group project, and your presenter's like just derailing the project, or a board meeting, you know, someone's starting to go sideways in your presentation to your boss or your client. This is what's going on here. Verse 28, but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Verse 30, then Caleb, so he just interrupts this situation. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. So Caleb steps into a prophetic moment here. Because in advance, right, the victory hadn't been won yet. The battle hadn't yet been fought. He he didn't know. We all get the, the benefit of the whole battle of Jericho story. We know what happens. The wall ultimately falls down. It's one of the most unbelievable victories in all of Scripture. The wall falls down, and victory happens, but Caleb doesn't have the privilege of the story already being written yet. All he knows is God said, I've given you this land. And so in advance, Caleb prophesies, and Caleb says, we should go up. We can do it. God has given us this land. This is our space, right? And, And in our lives... One of the ways that faith speaks is it is in advance. It isn't about waiting until the victory to prophesy. You know, I know there's some competitive people in the room, many on the front row. You know what I mean? How many know if you're competitive, you either don't want to compete unless you can win sometimes, or you stack the team, or if you don't have a specific team you're cheering for, you wait to determine who's going to win, then you start cheering for that team. But that's not faith. That's not faith, right? And faith speaks in advance. It speaks in advance. But it's not just random wishful thinking. It's in advance based upon what God has already said. 
right? So my faith is released. My faith speaks in advance because God has already said. In Numbers chapter 13, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. So there's already a word. There's already a word from God. There's already a promise from heaven. So Caleb is just going, I don't know what y'all are all worried about. Yeah, I know the giants are big. You know, I know the walls are big. But, but God said he's given us this land. So I am going to align my voice with the word of God in advance, and I'm going to begin to prophesy. I'm going to begin to speak. I'm going to begin to release this word of faith. So in advance, faith speaks in advance. I'm going to have the band come up and, and join me here. As I hit, hit the final one here, faith speaks. And then I want to pray over some people. I want to release a spirit of faith. Remember that beginning verse? We have the same spirit of faith. That, that's what I want to do. I want to release a spirit of faith. I believe that God wants to stir up some faith in you guys. Maybe there's been some things where you've lost faith. Maybe you've been speaking doubt. Even Maybe even things you felt like were gone. Maybe you're like, man, I, I've been just waiting for victory to begin to speak faith. Or maybe you've been in that begging mode and you realize, man, I need to begin to speak from authority. I want to pray with you guys in just a moment. But so faith speaks first with expectation. Faith speaks from authority. Faith speaks in advance. And then last, faith speaks until victory. Until victory comes. Until victory comes. It keeps speaking. You know, sometimes you feel like you're trying to unearth maybe what scripture is maybe trying to reveal in a certain passage. And I love it when it just gets like super honest or just obvious. Luke 18, 1. Then Jesus, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. And then he goes into the parable. <laughs> there's not, there's not, it doesn't always do that, where it just fully, plainly tells you exactly what the purpose of this is, that you should always pray and never give up. You should always pray and never give up. And he goes into this, this parable of, of this woman who's continued to ask for justice and ask for mercy, and she's asking, and she keeps going to a king, keeps going to a king, and, and finally her persistence actually pays off, and she gets the justice that she'd been praying for and asking for, and God basically says, listen, if this unjust judge is going to respond to this woman out of her relentless persistence, how much more Am I going to respond? How much more am I going to hear you when you pray? But in verse 8, he, he says this, I tell you, uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 8, I tell you, he will see they get justice and quickly, then this is the ending part here. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith? Sometimes we, we have a faith to, to, to prophesy in a moment, but God is, is calling us to, to speak faith until victory comes. I, I know for me, man, I, I can be, when I first feel a word from God, I got so much faith. I got so much excitement around it. But then all of a sudden, that fulfillment's not coming in week one, month one, month, year one, decade one. Right? And, and, and so I have to keep speaking what God has said. I mean, think about Caleb's situation. He's going, we should do it. We should take the land. Well, then the 10 rallied the majority, unfortunately. Moses obviously wasn't feeling up to the, 
the full leadership role in that moment that he was supposed to have, and the majority rebels against God, and what happens? They're wandering for 40 years. And for 40 years, Caleb has to keep this faith in his spirit that, man, God's given me this land. And God has, has promised this to us. And I'm not going to forget it. And I'm not going to let up on it. And he, he and Joshua stayed in faith. And those in that generation were able to actually take possession of the land. But God's looking for faith. Right? God's looking for us to be a people of faith, a, a house of faith, where when he looks at us here in Salt Lake, he goes, man, this is people who believe that I exist and that I respond. These are people who are willing to release a word of faith to echo the heart of heaven into this valley. And these are people who, as they are as they're walking with me, as they're walking in faith, as they're stepping out in this season, that, that I'm going to keep praying and I'm going to keep declaring the word of faith until victory happens, until victory happens. And, and this morning, I, I would imagine in a room like this, we have some who maybe you've lost faith. Not, not faith in Jesus as your Savior, but, but maybe you've lost some faith in a situation you're facing. Maybe that, that dream that was in your heart you stopped believing. Um, could be a variety of situations. And today I want to just be a reminder I want to be an injection of faith again this morning to keep speaking faith until victory comes, to keep prophesying over that situation, to keep believing for that son or daughter, to keep declaring God's word over your business. Man, there's a situation I'm in right now where I'm just saying, come on, God, I know you're good. I know you're able. I know what you said to me. And right now, I'm, I'm, I'm right here in this. I'm fighting to say, come on, I'm going to keep speaking faith until victory comes. I'm going to keep believing until I see the fulfillment of the word of God in my situation. I know, I know what God has said. I know what God has said. I know, I know, I know. I know what you said, God, and so I'm going to keep speaking until victory comes. This is why the apostle Peter reminded us that we fight the good fight. We fight the fight with the prophecies that have been spoken over us, with, with the word of God and the prophetic word that's released. This is how we fight because I, I keep grabbing on to the word of God. I keep grabbing on to the prophetic uh, word of God, and I echo it, and I echo it, and I release it, and I confirm it, and I keep declaring it. I keep speaking faith until victory comes in our situation. I'm telling you what, whatever you're facing, come on, keep speaking faith. Come on, whatever you need, keep speaking faith. If you haven't seen victory yet, don't give up. If you haven't seen the breakthrough yet, don't give up. Come on, church, keep speaking faith. Keep declaring victory. Come on, church, stand to your feet. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. Come on, somebody lift up a shout of faith in this place. In Jesus' name. I'm going to hand it back over to Pastor in just a moment, but I want to, I want to pray over... A few guys in this room, you can stay standing with me. Maybe if you feel like, man, this word was for you. Maybe you've kind of grown weary in some faith. Maybe you've lost it a bit. Maybe you've been discouraged. Maybe you're saying, man, I need a fresh injection of a spirit of faith in my life to believe for something. Why don't you just go ahead and lift up your hand all, all over the auditorium. Yeah, so many of us. So many of us. I know that God wants to breathe life and hope and you know what we don't have a huge altar down here but 
If you do me the, I'd love to pray over a few of you guys at least, and take a, take a couple minutes on that. Okay, thanks, man. If you lift your hand, I know there's a ton, but you just say, man, I need I need a release of a spirit of faith in our situation. You need breakthrough to happen. Would you make your way out of the your seat? Come down here to the front. Let me just pray. I want to agree with you, and and speak uh, a word over your life. Go ahead and make your way out of your aisle. Come on down. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Salt Lake City, go to C3SaltLakeCity.com.